0: We can make a difference.
1: Whoever wins, we lose.
0: In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the we good.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Bumble Diorama episode 127, Alien vs Predator and Aliens vs Predator Requiem. This is the podcast that's all about the history, legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. And as always, a huge hi and welcome to you all, whether you are a returning listener, whether you have listened to this Alien series that I've been doing, or a brand new listener to this podcast and you're just a huge Alien vs Predator fan. No matter how you're here and how you found this podcast, I'm so grateful that you are here for this Nanorama episode, concluding my Alien series. So I've done episodes on Alien, Aliens, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and I'm finally finishing my Alien series with Alien vs. Predator and Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. So just to explain, this is a Nanarama episode. These are slightly shorter than regular episodes, and they are focusing on tidbits of interesting information and stories from movies that, I'll be completely honest, are never going to get a full episode dedicated to them for whatever reason, but I kind of feel like they still deserve a mention. So I'm kind of thinking that this series is more of a, an honorable mentions section of this podcast. And like I said, I've done previous episodes on the whole of the Alien series of movies, And last month I did a panorama on Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and I wanted to now focus on the Alien spin-offs. Just to kind of make a point, I'm not actually planning to do the Predator movies at this present moment in time. I may come back to the Predator movies at some point in the future, but obviously there's also a lot of Predator movies out there. If there's a fair amount of interest in me covering the Predator movies, then let me know, and I'll schedule those in at some point. But I really wanted to focus more on the Alien side of it, but You can't really do an Alien series without doing the Alien vs. Predator Meteors. So, today, we're going to be starting with Alien vs. Predator.
0: Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this?
1: It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it.
0: (laughs) Let's make history. Oh, my God. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber.
1: This story's is all here. This whole thing was a trap.
0: They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war.
1: They're using us as baits. Son of a... The private satellite encounters an unidentified source of heat in Antarctica, and it is found to be a pyramid buried deep underground. A search team comprising of of top-of-the-line archaeologists and engineers is sent to Antarctica to find out more. Once there, the team comes across signs which indicate the place is inhabited by an unknown alien species. It's not long before the aliens begin to hunt the team members. At the same time, a trio of -of coming-of-age predators have arrived to connect the schools of the aliens as trophies, and the humans are caught between a deadly battle. Between the two warring species. Cast of this movie, we have Sunar Lathan as Alexa Woods, Raul Dover as Professor Sebastian de Rosa, Lance Henriksen as Charles Bishop Wayland, Ewan Bremner as Dr. Graham Miller, Colin Salmon as Maxwell Stafford, Tommy Flanagan as Mark Verheyden, Carsten Norgard as Ruston Quinn, Joseph Rye as Joan Connors, Agathe de la Boulet as Adele Rousseau. Sam Trouton as Thomas Parks, Tom Woodruff Jr. returning as the alien and Ian White as the Predator. The screenplay for Alien vs. Predator was by Paul W.S. Anderson. The story by Paul W.S. Anderson, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett and it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson based on Alien characters by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett and Predator characters by Jim Thomas and John Thomas and the Alien vs. Predator franchise created by Randy Stradley and Chris Warner. And it's safe to say that any crossover event is ambitious. You have the fans of both slash all franchises to please, as well as fans of any original materials, such as comic books, which I'll come to, as well as general cinema goers who just want to enjoy a movie without knowing any history. The Alien movie franchise, which started in 1979, and the Predator franchise, which started in 1987, were not originally linked, but that changed a year later. It was in 1988 when Dark Horse Comics acquired the licensing rights to the Alien franchise two years after Aliens hit the big screen and took the suspenseful sci-fi horror of Alien and switched it up into a sci-fi action movie about motherhood. A year later, Dark Horse acquired the Predator licensing and a brainstorming session in the late 1980s gave them the idea to combine the Aliens and the Predators into a crossover event. Published between 1989 and 2020, the Dark Horse Aliens vs Predator comic storylines Aren't followed at all by the movies, so it kind of feels a bit superfluous to continue to talk about them. But the first attempt at a script, written by Hellboy writer Peter Briggs in 1991, did follow the comic book rather faithfully. His script, titled The Hunt, colon Alien vs Predator, featured several characters inspired by the comics and makes reference to the events of the Alien series, as well as bestowing the Xenomorphs with previously unseen abilities and Xenomorphs born of non-human hosts something that A3 would show us on screen a couple of years later, a dog in the theatrical cut and a bull in the assembly cut. Briggs would write two drafts of the script with Roland Emmerich in contention as director, which would then be rejected and the project would remain in status for almost a decade. Cinematically, the first inkling of A Link Between the Two franchises came with the release of Predator 2 in 1990, which showed a xenomorph skull as a trophy of one of the Predators. And Fox was very keen to continue these franchises. Going back to Dark Horse, they would release several Alien Predator crossover events with DC Comics. They released Batman vs. Predator in 1991, which received critical acclaim with a sequel in 1995, Batman slash Aliens in 1997 with a sequel in 2002, Superman slash Aliens in 1995 with a sequel in 2002, Superman vs. Predator in 2000, plus Superman and Batman vs. Aliens and Predator in 2007. So crossover events galore with DC and Dark Horse. In video game format, so the first Alien vs Predator video game was released in 1993 for the Super Nintendo and in arcades as well. It was a beat-em-up style game where you play Predator and you have to go through various stages, killing aliens. The home console version and the arcade version are very different and developed by different companies. Several months later, a Game Boy game, Alien vs Predator, The Nastavis Clan was released. In 1994, a first-person shooter for the Atari Jaguar, where you could play as an alien, a predator, or a colonial marine, was released. In 1999, a PC and Mac release called Aliens vs. Predator followed the same principle of the Atari Jaguar release and was followed in 2001 by a sequel, Aliens vs. Predator 2, and an expansion pack, Aliens vs. Predator Primal Hunt, in 2002. By 2003, PlayStation 2 and Xbox received yet another Alien vs. Predator game. Alien versus Predator Extinction, my point is that Aliens going up against Predators was not a new thing and simmering in the background during all of these years was a Hollywood clash of these cinematic titans. In 2002, Fox returned to the idea of an Alien versus Predator movie, there had not been an Alien movie since 1997's Alien Resurrection and while there was some hesitation bringing the two characters together cinematically. Nevertheless, the rights were secured and a new script was written by James DeModico, Kevin Fox, but this was rejected by producer John Davis, who had helped both Predator movies and was a key figure in getting Alien vs. Predator off the ground. He wanted the story to be primarily set on Earth. A script written by Colin and Greg Strauss was also rejected, but we're going to come back to those guys because they're quite pivotal for the sequel to Alien vs. Predator. You'll remember as well in the previous episode on Prometheus. But originally an Alien Five movie was in the works. That in 2002 Ridley Scott started development on the sequel, in which he wanted to explore the engineered origins of the alien creatures, specifically Alien Space Jockey, a character briefly seen in Alien as the deceased pilot of the ship the crew of the Nostromo investigate. James Cameron would at this point also get involved and start writing a story based on Scott's ideas. However, 20th Century Fox had other plans for the franchise, a script. Presumably at this point in time, the DeMonaco Fox script was sent to Cameron outlining a crossover between the Aliens franchise and the Predator franchise, which would become Alien vs. Predator, but James Cameron hated the idea and therefore stopped working on his Alien sequel project. Now there's a reason the first Alien vs. Predator movie feels like the spiritual sibling to the 2002 Resident Evil movie starring Mila Jovovich. And I'm not just talking about the fact they both star Colin Salmon, but they do feel like they could be related to each other. And it's obviously down to Paul W.S. Anderson. He had been working on an idea for Alien vs. Predator for eight years and pitched John Davis his story, along with concept art by Randy Bowen. It would be after he finished work on Resident Evil Apocalypse that Anderson started writing the script for Alien vs. Predator with Shane Salerno. He adapted Armageddon in 1998. Salerno spent six months co-writing the script, including revisions through production. But as you'll probably remember, I didn't mention his name credited as screenwriter. In fact, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Schutzit would receive a story credit purely because elements from their original spec script for Alien were used in the story for this movie. Shane Salerno would, however, get sole credit for his work on the sequel, which again I'm going to come to. So, part the Strauss brothers and Park Shane Salerno, because they are all very integral to Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Alien vs. Predator is both the sequel to the Predator movies and a prequel to the Alien movies, and actually took great pains to not contradict the canon of either series. Anderson took inspiration from the work of H.B. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, as well as Erich von Daniken, who theorized that only civilizations were able to construct massive pyramids with the help of extraterrestrial beings which also forms part of Aztec mythology. It's worth noting that the ideas put forth in von Danikert's books are rejected by virtually all scientists and academics who categorize his work as pseudo-history, pseudo-archaeology and pseudoscience. The story for Alien vs. Predator is set in a remote Norwegian Antarctic island, purely so that civilization remains unaware to the existence of the xenomorph on Earth. Predators taught ancient humans to build pyramids and used earth for the right of passage rituals every 100 years in which they would hunt aliens. To explain how these ancient civilizations disappeared without a trace, Anderson came up with the idea that the Predators, if overwhelmed by the aliens, would use their self-destruct weapons to kill everything in the area, which would obviously be a lot easier in Antarctica. The first actor cast was Lance Henriksen playing billionaire Charles Bishop Wayland the form ultimately used for the Android Bishop, Aliens, and the original founder and CEO of Wayland Industries. An international multicultural cast was assembled and several hundred actresses auditioned for the lead role of Alexa Woods, which ultimately landed with Sonar Latham, Arnold Schwarzenegger was interested in reprising his role of Major Dutch Schaefer from Predator in a cameo on the condition that he lose the election of governor of California. He won the election. Became the governor, and so the cameo was never filmed. Filming took place at Baranov Studios in Prague, a studio I've mentioned before on this podcast. And Noite's Tale was also filmed there. Twenty-five to thirty love So sets were built in Prague for the pyramid interiors. The main reason Baradoff was chosen was the comparative reduction in cost. Sets in Prague cost two million dollars. The equivalent in an LA studio would have been ten times as much. Third scale miniatures were also used as well as 700 bags of artificial snow, visual effects producer Arthur Windus preferred to use miniatures rather than use CG effects. Steve Jolson's special effects company Edgeview Effects originally bid for the creature effects in the film, proposing a raft of radical redesigns for both the aliens and the predators. Conceptual artist Constantine Sakarins produced several concept sketches of the designs for the various creatures in the film. However, these ideas were eventually rejected for being too different to what had come before, and instead, Amalgamated Dynamics returned along with Tom Woodruff Jr. in costume as the Xenomorph. A Hydraulic Alien Puppet was also created, which used six people to puppeteer. This was primarily used in the main fight sequence with the Predator, of which there were multiple Predators and were distinguished by their different masks. The production claims to use 70% practical effects without the additional items, such as the Alien tails computer animated for fluidity. The Alien Queen was filmed using three variations, a 4.8 meter practical version, a 1.2 meter puppet, and a computer generated version. The practical version required 12 puppeteers to operate. Alien vs Predator was released on the 30th August 2004 and debuted at number one at the box office. The film grants $80.3 million in the US and $177.4 million worldwide on a production budget of $60 to $70 million. Critics were not allowed to preview the movie before release, which is never the best sign. And when they did, the critical reception was low, with criticism across the board on cardboard characters and dull action. Rotten Tomatoes currently has the movie at 21%. Fan reception was also low, criticising the Predator characters as looking weak and unintelligent, and the Alien character life cycles not being canon to other movies. And for a movie called Alien vs Predator, there wasn't much Alien vs Predator fighting. Despite this critical slating, a sequel to Alien vs Predator was announced. And so we fast forward with three years to 2007, where it will really be set immediately after the events of the first, with the Pred-Alien reveal, for Alien vs Predator Requiem, which in what is my version of the Mandela Effect, I regularly call Alien vs Predator Requiem but then I have to remind myself there are multiple aliens, but it's one of those things. Whenever I see aliens versus predator requiem, it doesn't look right <laughs> to me. So if I call it alien versus predator requiem, that is just literally the Mandela effect in my brain thinking that it's called singular alien versus singular predator requiem, but it's not, it's multiple aliens versus singular predator requiem.
0: what came at i don't know hold on the town is completely overrun what's the army's evacuation plan go Air lift in 30 minutes. The Colonel is lying. The Army thinks about containment first. If I'm right, we're all dead. We're all dead.
1: No one can escape from the aggressive predatory xenomorphs. And shortly after the Antarctic bloodshed in Alien vs. Predator, a crippled predator ship crash lands in the dense forests of Gunnison, Colorado. As a result, a vicious predadian hybrid, along with numerous stage one xenomorphs or facehuggers, scatter in all directions, infecting everyone unfortunate enough to cross their path. Once more, the Earth is a battlefield as both extraterrestrial species are fighting for supremacy and the humans become stuck in the middle. Now, the fate of the entire city. World rests in the hand of the local sheriff and a handful of residents. Can they ensure the survival of humankind? And most importantly, can they actually see anything? We're gonna to come to that. The cast of this movie: Stephen Pasquale as Dallas Howard, Riker Aylesworth as Kelly O'Brien, John Ortiz as Sheriff Eddie Morales, Johnny Lewis as Ricky Howard, Sam Trammell as Tim O'Brien, Ariel Gade as Molly O'Brien. Robert Joy as Colonel Stevens, Kristen Hager as Jesse Salinger, Tom Woodruff Jr. again as the Aliens and also the pren Ian White again as the Predator aka Wolf, and Matthew Charles Santoro as the voice of Wolf. Alien vs. I've done it, I've done it <laughs> Aliens vs. Predator Requiem was written by Shane Salerno. It was directed by the Brothers Strauss. It was based on Alien characters by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett and Predator characters by Jim Thomas and John Thomas. And Alien vs. Predator franchise was created by Randy Stradley and Chris Warner. So I mentioned their names and I'm going to have to repeat them again because screenwriter Shane Salerno turned in at least two scripts for Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. I got it right that time. Eventually 20th Century Fox elected to go with Salerno's second script which featured a Predator ship crushing and unleashing its alien cargo but this time in small-town America. Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis, who had provided creature effects for work on every alien film since Aliens, had hoped to direct the film themselves. Fox ultimately went with brother directors Colin and Greg Strauss. Shane Salerno would receive the full and sole writing credit this time around. It was Jane Cameron's Terminator 2 which inspired brothers Colin and Greg Strauss to move to Los Angeles and start new careers in the film industry in 1995, after growing up experimenting with visual effects of the Amiga, they worked on the effects for the X-Files movie and moved on to The Nutty Professor, Volcano and Titanic. In 2002, they founded Hydraulics and the first movie they worked on after that moniker was Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Now, none of our episodes don't have obligatory Keanu references. Nor one episodes have obligatory Keanu references. But just on a point of note, Hydraulics also worked on the movie Constantine. Through their visual effects work, they developed a strong relationship with 20th Century Fox, and while their Alien vs. Predator pitch from the previous movie was unsuccessful, they actually decided to pitch a movie titled Wolfenstein instead, not related to the games from what I understand. Fox almost bought Wolfenstein, but instead they offered them directorial duties on the Alien vs. Predator sequel. They were hired in the spring of 2006 with shooting set to start that autumn. I fully believe their visual effects experience would be paramount on a movie that needed a lot of visual effects to be believable. Aliens vs Prince of Requiem was shot in Vancouver on a 52-day filming schedule. This movie would up the gore and violence of the previous movie and include some truly horrific visuals, including scenes set in a maternity hospital, which I actually had to look away from. The brothers Strauss were also working on visual effects on other movies such as 300, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer and Shooter during production of Aliens vs Predator Requiem. unlike the previous Alien vs Predator movie, the interiors of the Predator ship were fully CG because creating practical sets was more costly. They did, however, try to keep most of the rest of the movie practical and also endeavoured to keep the movie looking as similar as possible to its predecessor. The Maya hair simulator was actually used to build a forest of trees around the Predator ship crash site. An estimated 460 out of the 500 visual effects shots in the movie were done in-house at Hydraulics, meaning it came in vastly under budget, which actually meant they could expand the movie and include shots of the Predator homeworld that weren't previously included in the movie. Unfortunately, one of the lasting legacies of Aliens vs Predator Requiem is that it's so dark that you unfortunately can barely make out the creature design or kill count with director of photographer Daniel Pearl, exclaiming during filming. And this is actually on video. There was many videos on YouTube, a filming of aliens versus Predator Requiem. And he actually says it's not bright enough, but rather than resetting, which would cause delay while the set and lighting are altered, the directors seem to have been content to simply film hope that it could be fixed in post-production apparently the blu-ray version of the movie is slightly brighter but the original version remains dark in both tone and also in visuals which is unfortunate because i think if this movie wasn't as dark as it is and so dimly lit it probably would be a little bit enjoyable although i will say i actually do enjoy Anglians vs. predator requiem more than i thought that i would despite the heavy gore and violence When they were making the movie, the brothers Strauss found that fan expectation was not only high, but that overzealous fans would actually break into trailers and steal props. Several of these props were actually found on sale on eBay during filming of the movie. And when the movie actually did come to be released, it premiered at the Los Angeles comic book and sci-fi convention on 4th of November, 2007. It was later released in the U.S. on the 25th of December, 2007, with the tagline, this Christmas there will be no peace on earth. It would return a domestic gross of $41.8 million and an international gross of $88.5 million, bringing it to a total of $130.3 million on a budget of only $40 million. So these movies actually did make money. People think that these movies didn't make money, but they actually did make money. And because the budget was so low on Requiem, it actually made quite a lot more than its budget, but unfortunately it would be even more critically derided than the first. Aliens versus Preto-Requiem only has 12% of Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's a little bit low personally. I don't think it's that bad, but you know, let's be honest. These movies are neither alien nor aliens in quality. So what's the future for Alien vs. Predator? The brothers Strauss were keen to work on Alien vs. Predator 3 during the production of Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. In 2008, an anonymous source at 20th Century Fox got in touch with them, confirming the certainty of a third movie. And in 2010, Iron 9 published an exclusive interview with them in which they revealed that Alien vs. Predator 3 would have led directly into Alien with the Miss Yutani reveal leading to humans advancing in space travel technology. In mid-2018, the Predator director Shane Black, who we love on this podcast, by the way, tweeted that a third AVP movie could still happen, and ComicBookRumors.com suggested at the time that Fox might wait for Ridley Scott to complete his Alien prequel trilogy. There was a script draft of Alien vs. Predator 3 in 2007. It was written by Liam O'Donnell. He was a visual effects consultant on Aliens vs Predator Requiem. And it was written during the production of that movie. Unlike the first two Alien vs Predator films, the story would have been set in the future and followed a conflict between humans, aliens and predators in Africa. Since then, of course, Disney has purchased Fox and development of a third Alien vs Predator movie has been delayed indefinitely. So I think it's safe to say that this will probably stay a duology unless at some point Disney wishes to reboot it. And Disney are planning to do more alien movies. I don't know if they're planning to do more predator movies. And I think doing more alien versus predator movies is probably a little bit far-fetched. However, never say never, I guess, when it comes to movies like this, because there's clearly a fan base out there for these movies. People actually do enjoy these movies. I enjoyed these movies quite a lot more than I thought. They've got massive comic book history. They've got gaming history. So, yeah, never say never, I guess. But thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Alien vs. Predator. And or Aliens versus Predator Requiem. And I would also like to hear your thoughts on this new format. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I mean, if you don't like it, I'm still going to do them. And the next one I'm going to do is actually just before Christmas. And it's going to be a little bit different because instead of one episode covering two movies, I'm going to do two slightly smaller episodes covering two movies. Originally it was going to be one episode covering two and then my schedule changed in December, I had a break week instead. So I thought I'll do two separate episodes. So it's a special double episode, Nanarama. And my question to you is, have you been naughty or nice this year? Because if you've been naughty, then you go on Santa's naughty list and you get an episode on Krampus. If you've been nice, you're on the nice list and you'll get an episode on Klaus. If you've been a little bit of both, which I suspect the majority, if not everyone, will be, then you'll get in your podcast app an episode on Krampus and an episode of Klaus, and they are both wildly different. However, there are genuine links between the horror story Krampus and the wonderful animated tale Klaus. So wonderful little links between the mythology there that I really want to go into. And I hope that you'll join me throughout December for the regular episodes in December, because it's Christmas in December. So I'm going to be tackling the Thor movies, but otherwise, if you don't fancy the Thor movies, then. Come back for Krampus and Klaus. If you have enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to help this podcast grow by leaving a rating or review. You can also retweet or like posts on social media, or you can simply just tell your alien versus predator loving friends and family about this podcast. The previous episodes on the Alien franchise are available. They are episode 108 on Alien, 114 on Aliens. 115 on Alien 3 at Alien Resurrection, and 120 on Prometheus and Alien Covenant. If you want to follow me, I am at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd. You can email me, VerbalDiorama at gmail.com, or you can just pop to the website, VerbalDiorama.com. You can see all previous episodes on there. A huge thank you, as always, to the patrons of this podcast. If you want to join them and you want to contribute to the running of this podcast, I would be so grateful. No obligation, but that would be amazing. They are at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. And finally, get to the (laughs) chopper! Bye.